Hi everyone, is anyone else just having one of those weeks where their to-do list just keeps getting longer and longer? Because I am, hence why this episode is coming to you on a Wednesday instead of a Tuesday this week. I chatted with Jen Luke, a content creator with 1.2 million followers on Instagram. She quickly rose up the social media ranks this year with her grocery store budget series and has focused on easy, healthy meals ever since. We talked about that time we were picky eaters. Yes, I was once an extremely picky eater. The secret to success in recipe creation and what's next for her. So please join me in welcoming the lovely Jen Luke. I'm so glad we got to connect though. I have been following your page, I feel like, for a while, and then it did it blow up this year? Yeah, well, thank you so much. Basically, the last year has been really high growth for me. So I've been posting on social media since 2018. Okay. I'm kind of just grinding away. But in the last mm-hmm. year, a year ago at this point, I was around, I think, 50,000 followers. Um, so this was really like a great year for my business and on social media. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like... I've just followed it past a year and then I saw one of your viral videos and I was like, I looked at her page and I was like, oh, I think she grew a lot this year. Like it was like (laughs) crazy. And now you're at like what, over a million? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. I feel very blessed um, to have have that community now. It feels like, it feels so crazy. um, And it's also Mm -hmm. just such an honor. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's for a reason, you know? (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. So before we get into your content creation, business things, I would love to get more into your background, your how you got into cooking, things like that. So I know you're from Massachusetts. You've always loved helping your mom in the kitchen. You watch Food Network after school a lot. Who were your cooking inspirations growing up? I have always loved cooking. I definitely was that person who would come home from like elementary school and watch Food Network, which looking Mm -hmm. back, it's a little bit weird. Um, (laughs) So I kind of just would like watch whatever was on. So definitely all of the OG Food Network people. Um, And then kind of as I got older, I just love watching cooking shows. Like I love MasterChef. I learned a lot of cooking Mm -hmm. techniques from that, just kind of in ways that are non-traditional and then when social media became a thing especially like Facebook videos before um, video content on Instagram was even a thing I loved watching the like BuzzFeed tasty videos and all of that so a lot of it for me was just following other creators I think that's why I initially got into creating my own content because I just loved being a consumer and kind of like existing on that end and I love to cook so I guess something clicked Mm -hmm. at one point where I was like, why don't I try to do this on my own, try to do my own spin. And it's just funny now because I loved those videos so much now that I create them. It's just like Mm -hmm. somewhere along the lines. I just, I just switch places. Yeah. Yeah. Those Buzzfeed Tasty videos. It's so funny because I interviewed the woman who was behind those videos. And that was like my entire childhood. I feel like me and my friend would just go on Facebook and scroll through all of those videos and then her girlfriend I actually ended up meeting them in person but her girlfriend was on my podcast as well so it was just like so funny because there's like a face behind those insane crazy BuzzFeed tasty videos that I would always watch because they would always be like kind of wild recipes 
I know I have like such clear memories of watching those and it's funny you say the thing about the faces because it's back Mm -hmm. like I guess when videos short videos for cooking first became a thing it was very food forward like nobody was showing their faces or anything like that and I think there's been a major shift now from that to like you really do need to include yourself and make it your personality and everything and also to answer the second part of your question my background after I well I went to school for business specifically finance so that was kind of the path that I was pursuing, always knowing that I was interested in being my own boss in some way. But I always thought that it would be more of like, I would create a product, like a food product, or I would open a restaurant or something like that. that those were really my interests. And then I, mm-hmm. I, this wasn't even a job back then. So it wasn't really my goal at all. And then when I graduated college, I worked in commercial banking for a few okay. years until I transitioned into this. Okay. I don't know if you saw, but I connected with you on LinkedIn. So I saw the commercial. (laughs) I don't go on LinkedIn much these days. (laughs) I'm on it all the I'm freelance. So I have to be, that's where I get my work. But it's so funny because I like connect with people and like no one even uses it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I have two questions for you. One is a lighthearted one and then we'll get into your business background. First of all, the Food Network shows that you were watching. Did you watch Cake Boss? That's not a good Oh, network, but... yes, 100%. I loved Cake Boss, as I feel like most people in our generation did. But I like, like I went to the Cake Boss bakery and all of that. I was really into <laughs> cakes and cupcakes during that era where I feel like everybody was. Oh, no, you're totally right. I vividly remember my 13th birthday, and I we went to Hoboken and went to the bakery. <laughs> and I think one of his sisters, his sisters was there and brought me a cake or something. It was, it's a very weird fever dream, but I don't know why he's permanently in my brain. And then I got to meet him in person in an interview and I was like, oh my God, you're real. You're the cake boss. Like you're so cool. Oh my God. What a dream. I, I loved cake boss and I loved baking. So I was definitely more into baking for a while. And then I, as I got into making healthy recipes and things like that, I kind of got more into the cooking side, but that was like one of the, I feel like it was part of my origin story. <laughs> <laughs> no, whenever there's um, TikToks that come up about it too, I'm like, everyone had the same experience. It's just a universal, <laughs> everyone loves Buddy Velastro. And I think he has a new one too. Oh my God. A new reality check it show. Out. <laughs> Probably he's building a dynasty. He's got children. This is just going to keep going. <laughs> Um, MasterChef too. I remember talking to Christine Ha and that's kind of how I got into MasterChef, but that show like stresses me out. It's like so intense with cooking (laughs) competition, which is funny. I know. I know. I love watching it. I feel like it stresses me out to watch too, but I love seeing what they can put together quickly. And I think it kind of translates mm-hmm. into the kind of recipes that I like to make because in a way, because obviously theirs are a lot more elevated, but it's kind of like, what can you, what can you make with what you have? What can you make with the time that you have and some of those things? Yeah. That's such a good translation too. Like all of those kind of shows. What's the one I'm thinking of? What's the show I'm blinking on that Ted Allen is on? Um, competition show that like it's not top chef that's not what i'm thinking of is it next level chef chopped? oh chopped chopped i've seen him chop geez that's like yeah yeah I, I like chopped too yeah the, that's another fun one to see like what can you make out of what you have <laughs> right yeah no that's that's exactly what the whole premise is too 
I read that you would often make your family dinner when you were younger. What did that look like? Yeah, I always kind of jokingly say that I got into cooking because nobody else in my family really wanted to. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, and that's no hate to my parents, but they cooking just isn't their passion. Like it's mine. Um, so uh -huh. when I started getting into cooking, which I was pretty young, honestly, but I was really grateful that my parents allowed me to use the stove and like our oven and knives and stuff like that when I was not like crazy young, but you know, definitely mm -hmm. some of my friends, like they weren't allowed to use the oven. And I always kind of reference that when I'm thinking about how I learned some of those basic cooking skills. So mm -hmm. I got to experiment a little bit and my parents gave me the freedom to like try things out in the kitchen. And like when my friends would come over, we would be baking and doing stuff like that. It definitely bothered them because I would make a mess, but <laughs> they still <laughs> let me sometimes. Um, and then for- I mean, did they help you clean it up? I'm sure they had to. <laughs> I'm sure that I left some messes sometimes and I, f I feel bad about yeah. that now, but um, <laughs> I think they're they're okay with it now. But yeah, I would, I would, I loved cooking for my family. I always have, and like, I still cook for my family all the time. Um, like I find a lot of joy in that and, and find a lot of joy in the idea that people now use my recipes to cook for their families. Um, a lot of the recipes that I share are things that I have made for my family before. So there's something really special about that. Yeah. I made your, um, lemon basil meatballs with rice. Oh, yeah. I made that. That's actually, I remember that's how we connected. Cause I tagged you in it and then you reply. Do you reply to all of your people that tag you in your recipes? I try my best to reply to everything because I just think it's uh, like, I'm just so grateful that people make my recipes and I want everyone to know how happy I am about it. So I try my best to respond to everybody and keep up with it because I, I really do want to engage with my community and like really foster it mm -hmm. because for so long I did have such a small community and I, those were people who were there, like that was all I had. Um, and a lot of them mm -hmm. are still there and, and I now feel like that even with a bigger following. Yeah. I, I think things like that, even subtle things, just like liking it or even a heart like that, that definitely fosters a a greater community and kind of keeps the loyalty in your following going for sure. Yeah. You feel like someone's on the other end and you're not just like, it's not just yeah. like a character on social media. Like these are real people. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking back to when I did the quote, well, I have you, do you want to go on a podcast? And I was like, <laughs> Oh, I hate when people do that to me. <laughs> All good. I always get the while I have you emails and then I forget the answer anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that you mentioned your parents don't cook as much because I was going to ask you if cooking runs in your family at all but it sounds like it doesn't really no not really I, like I think everybody has those recipes that are like their go-tos and my family definitely has that mm -hmm. but like in my immediate family at least I I was always the person who loved to cook who was cooking dinner like that was kind of my I don't know, character type in the family dynamic and everyone else likes to enjoy the food. But no, there's certain things like my mom has a few great recipes that like she loves to make. And, and my mm -hmm. dad actually would cook a lot when we were growing up too. Um, but it just like they kind of have other passions. And I just happened to fall into yeah. this one from whatever it was like the media I was consuming, like I mentioned, and getting cookbooks and um, like doing a little cooking classes when I was younger and stuff like that. What cookbook are you into right now? That's a great question. I 
absolutely love well someone i'm a really big fan of is alex dodgrass and she just came out with a new book her and i make recipes that i feel like kind of have similar energy where they're very accessible they're made with real whole foods but they're also really delicious like you wouldn't know it just by taking a bite that it's a quote-unquote healthy recipe so she just came out with a new book called dinner tonight so i'm loving her book i'm also a really big fan of molly Boz just love her so much. Um, so her book more is more. I like, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. I like her book a lot because that she does recipes that are not really like mine. So it's nice to get Mm -hmm. that view to kind of push yourself out of your comfort zone in terms of flavor profiles, like her recipes, I wouldn't call them like accessible, like how my recipes are only because, you know, you're not really just going to like make it for a 30 minute weeknight dinner. But I love the way that she thinks about food, how she combines flavors, how she uses ingredients that I wouldn't normally think of. So I'm always kind of grabbing inspiration from that to push myself a little bit. Those are like my top two books right now. I'm looking at my bookshelf. And I also (laughs) really like one book that I have kind of always gone back to is the Modern Proper Cookbooks and their social media pages too. They have really great Mm -hmm. like classic recipes, I feel like. So I use them a lot. And then just honestly, my biggest inspiration is people on social media, because that's kind of where I'm living day to day. So I'm Same. constantly inspired by other creators who are just doing really amazing things. And some of them have cookbooks and some of them don't, but they're all just very talented. I love that. Yeah, I had um, Jenna Bernard, so Butternut Bakery, uh-huh. if you follow her. Yeah. She was on last week, but we were talking about how sometimes she has to limit herself on social media because it can kind of bleed into her creativity. Do you feel like that's an issue for you or not really? Um, I would say no, but I think it depends on the type of inspiration you're getting from social media. Like for me, yeah. it's rare that I'm seeing a recipe that is giving me inspiration like that's sometimes the times where I like to flip through a cookbook or like even the magazines Mm -hmm. that they have at the checkout at the grocery store like I don't know if anyone actually looks at those other than me but they have (laughs) like I just picked one up at Wegmans that said like budget-friendly recipes for the new year and I'm like oh I'm gonna look through this because I love doing budget-friendly recipes and things like that but on social media I really get inspiration from people's content strategy more than the actual food that they're making. So I love the way that people position almost like a headline of your content. And I try to think in those headlines because I think it's a great way to spread your message and make it very clear right off the bat and give that promise. Um, Like I'm always trying to give some kind of promise in the content that I share. So anyway, all goes to say, I love seeing like a new way that someone is sharing a recipe or maybe they're like compiling recipes. Like I like to compile a bunch of recipes together and kind of like give you a grocery list or tell you these are all going to give you X, Y, and Z. And I love Mm -hmm. seeing that kind of thing. And then I get inspired a lot by seasonal ingredients, very like budget-friendly, accessible ingredients, things that are just like healthy foods I get inspired by. If I hear about a new food, I love to do something like that. And then just like everything I make is very plant forward. So just using vegetables in new ways. So a lot of that is kind of going on in my like notes app (laughs) and in my brain. Mm -hmm. And then I like to see the different ways that people spread that message, that recipe, whatever online. Yeah. So kind of how to help it in the most simple and nutritious way possible. Yeah. 
That's um, you don't want to look at my notes app. My notes app is <laughs> scary to the outside observer, <laughs> but it makes sense to me. So that's really all. Yeah, that's all that matters. <laughs> I feel like a lot of chefs and home cooks, at least in my case, like I enjoy, and this is my favorite part of cooking, is the people's reaction to the food, the feedback. Do you feel like you enjoy that more than the actual process of cooking or is it kind of equal for you? That's an interesting question. I don't know if I've really thought about that in the last couple of years as a lot of my cooking is to see. I think the thing that matters to me the most is when I find a way to make a recipe really work and it can be in different ways. Like whether it's just like I make something and the outcome is that it tastes really good. Or if I make something and I'm working on these constraints where I'm only using a few ingredients or I'm only spending a certain amount of money or I'm only grabbing things off of a certain grocery haul and then I try it and it's good. It's like, so exciting to almost figure it out like a formula. So I love that. And I do like the process. I love the process of actually developing the recipe even before I've actually gotten into the kitchen. Just, you know, seeing like, okay, this is what I'm working with. Here's the ingredients that I could use. How can I like pull something in? So I have a lot of fun doing that. And then I love the feedback when people actually make it, like when I share it with people actually make it on their own. And I'm always a little bit like, is this just something that I liked until I share it and I get feedback and that's just the best thing ever. It's like, oh, I didn't know. Like the recipe that you mentioned that you made, that was a perfect example Mm -hmm. of that because I was a little like, this recipe is great. It's budget friendly. It works for the grocery list, but I don't know if it's like my best recipe ever. And then I got a lot of positive feedback on that one. And it was just so funny because it's, it get, has given me a lot of confidence now that people do make my recipes like, oh, I, I guess I know what I'm doing in the kitchen a little bit because people really <laughs> like this and they haven't tried this method or they haven't tried these ingredients and I'm giving them a way to do it. That's not so intimidating. There's not that many ingredients that it's not going to take five hours for you to make, but it's going to be really good. It's going to have wholesome ingredients and your family's going to like it. Right. I mean, you're not going to be sure until you press post and then everyone. And honestly, there's going to be, a, even if it's a flop, there's still going to be a handful of people who enjoy it. Yeah. Everyone has different tastes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that I like that recipe. I think my Italian heritage, I'm like so used to beef meatballs yeah. that like you always expect the taste of beef meatballs, but like I love turkey meatballs, but you just have to recognize that it's different. Yeah. You know? Does that yeah. Make sense? Yeah. And I love when people can like try something that they're not used to or like a different way of combining ingredients or something like that, just to, just to see what you like and like open up your taste buds and open up what you're going to be willing to try. I want to talk about your bio because you said you're a picky eater in your bio. And as a former picky eater myself, what foods did you refuse to eat? Because I know you have like some sort of... Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I always say, um, or I think that's what's in my bio, I'm a recovering picky eater. Mm -hmm. I I like to start with that to let people know I'm cooking in a way that it's like, it's going to be enjoyable. Like you're going to like it because I, when I was growing up, even though I did like cooking, it was very basic 
but I just enjoyed it. Like I liked making pasta and um, I don't know, right. like chicken, like things that most people like, but there was a lot of foods that I didn't like. There was a lot of vegetables that I didn't like a lot of them. Like I hated onions, tomatoes, mushrooms, like all of that. I Me was too. very just wary of trying new things in general because the house that I grew up in, we were a very basic, basic like Irish American family. You know, we weren't really trying that many different flavor profiles or like weird ingredients I we didn't really have seafood we didn't have like any vegetable that wasn't really frozen or in a can we didn't have like different sauces we never Mm -hmm. had anything spicy so as I've gotten older and then gotten into cooking more I've been just slowly picking up things and experimenting with them different proteins um like I love seafood now I love cooking with red Mm -hmm. meat I love trying vegan and vegetarian recipes like I tofu is one of my favorite foods who would have thought so I love that I don't close myself in like there's no label on any of my recipes other than that they're nutritious they're plant forward they're really tasty but I don't really say no to anything yes I did used to be a really picky eater Uh, there's still a few things that I'm a little weird (laughs) about like I I'm very hesitant around different sauces like I don't really like going to a restaurant and they're like special sauce and I don't know what's in it I still struggle with that <laughs> that's fair that that sounds like mystery meat yeah. at the cafeteria yeah <laughs> so like there's definitely some things I don't love really vinegary things that much I've gotten better um but like sauerkraut and like kimchi and things like that even I wish that I love them because they're really good for you but I'm, I struggle a little bit yeah. with those so there are certain things but I'm slowly opening myself up and hopefully op- helping other people open up their worlds a little bit like oh I actually never I never cooked with coconut milk before but I tried it and it tastes just like cream like who would have thought I never made tofu until I tried one of your recipes and it's actually really good and that's just the best thing ever because it's like okay we're all we're all recovering picky eaters here oh for sure um I will say I've yet to eat tofu oh my gosh you gotta try it <laughs> I know. Okay, something about it scares me. I don't know why. Maybe it's the consistency mm-hmm. of it. Or I don't know. Maybe it just has a bad stigma. Maybe that's I think deal. it does. I'm a big fan. I'll have to I'll send you a couple of links to ones where it's like, if this is your first tofu okay. recipe, this is how to do it. But I've gotten a lot of people to try it, which is very exciting. And they like it. I've even okay. talked to my grandmother recently. She told me to bring some tofu over because she wants to try it. So I'm like, all right, I'm coming over. <laughs> okay, so now this is recorded. Now I have to yeah, try. Yeah, I'm going to check in. <laughs> okay, sounds good. I'll post it. I feel you on the vinegar thing, though, because I literally didn't like salad dressing until I only ate Caesar salad dressing. Which is weird because it has anchovies in it half the time, but I didn't really know that until literally a few years ago. And then I feel like when I went abroad and then I also had a roommate who just ate like anything (laughs) that they pushed me really to eat stuff because like my household is so plain. Like when my family wants to go to a restaurant, we're going to go to an Italian restaurant. We're going to go to American. Like there's not a ton in between. But now it's like I've had like Peruvian food. I've had Salvadorian food. I've had like your world just opens up so much totally when you actually like try things. Yeah. I had a a similar experience when I studied, I studied abroad in Italy. So like, obviously when I was there, oh no way. I was in Florence. I don't know where you, oh my gosh, literally best place to study abroad. 
Oh my gosh, that comes up in every conversation I've ever had. I know. (laughs) So many people studied abroad there, but for good reason. It's really fun. But when I was traveling there too, I felt a similar way where it was like, especially with a language barrier or like even cultural barriers where you don't want to be like refusing food from anyone, obviously. It's interesting to be like, oh, I'm actually just going to go with it. Like, I'm just going to try it. I'm not sure exactly what's in this, but I'm going to give it a shot. And I think those experiences really are proof points that, oh, like chefs at restaurants, they know what they're doing. And these cultures, they have been cooking this food forever. And it's like, they love it for a reason. And it's great. And a lot of them have nutritional benefits and all of that. So travel is always a nice way to open up your, um, your tastes. Oh, great. Traveling for the food will always be my lifestyle. Last week, I went to a dinner and it was like for a mezcal kind of brand, very good mezcal, by the way. And basically the traditional way that you're supposed to eat it is with an orange and like dried, you dip it in dried larva or larvae, basically worms kind of thing. That made me churn a little bit, but I was like, if this is a tradition, I have to try it. I tried it and I actually didn't not like it, but I just wouldn't do it again Mm -hmm. kind of deal. I think those things are still like great too, because you're still you're trying it you're trying different flavors you're not saying no to anything and you're just giving yourself a chance to see if you like something yeah exactly I I tried I've tried with caviar I can't do it with that either it's (laughs) it's way too like something about the whole idea of it really makes me ill the (laughs) flavor it's like salty and then you think about it's like when you eat scrambled eggs and then you think about how they're eggs and then you just like can't eat them oh, yeah. anymore happens to me once a month That's, yeah or chicken too it's mm-hmm. like what <laughs> um anyways we got so <laughs> <laughs> which i usually do but i want to talk about your business degree it was in finance and entrepreneurial studies it seems like you have a problem solving attribute especially when it comes to like recipe creating and development and all that good stuff. Did you go into school with this career path kind of as your intention? You touched upon this a little, but I feel like it's so closely aligned with being a content creator and then being an independent and self-starter. I, I've actually been thinking about this a lot lately, just as my business has been growing and as I've been just exploring what you can do with being a content creator. Cause I think there's a lot there and I've always thought that if you truly want a career in content creation on regardless of recipe content creation, but I think especially in recipe content creation, you have to love marketing because at the end of the day, if I had to explain to somebody who didn't know anything about Instagram, TikTok, whatever, what I do, I would mm-hmm. probably talk about marketing um, because what I'm doing is the marketing strategies that anybody who needs to market any kind of business, whatever it is, this is what they're doing. And right. when I'm thinking of recipe ideas, I'm thinking about it with a marketing business lens because that's how you get people to engage. And I think I had a really specific switch in my thinking, even though I had that entrepreneurial studies background going into content creation for a little bit I was like oh I just do this for fun and then I started to realize oh this can be a career but I couldn't really figure out how to grow my following and 
just make it a job basically until I started to, like I mentioned, like thinking in headlines, figuring out what the promise is for a recipe for any kind of video. And when I started to connect a promise to a consumer with a piece of content, every time I posted anything or shared Mm -hmm. something on my website, whatever I'm doing, that's when everything started to change. That's when I started to get more traction on social media and that the people who were being shown my content, they were resonating with it because I wasn't just saying this is a recipe that tastes good because there's a million people on social media sharing recipes every single day. So if you really, like if somebody is listening to this who wants to create recipe content or they are and they're having a hard time getting any kind of traction, what are you giving to people? Because consumers now are too smart on social media to just look at a cake recipe and like that's great content to them and they love it and they're going to keep going back to your page. It's not enough. You need to be giving them something. So I think my background in my major and my major yeah was finance and entrepreneurial studies but the entrepreneurial studies path that i did was very marketing focused which is why i kind of mentioned all of this and i think the finance focus is helpful in other ways but just in the terms of like content the entrepreneurial studies is a little bit more relevant but having a business mindset is really important when it comes to being a content creator creating content and analyzing what works and what doesn't because if you are sharing something and you're not getting traction on it, you need to be able to recognize that even at the end of the day, if it's something that you like sharing, it might not be the right thing for your content creation business. And if, if you're okay with that, that's fine. And you can keep posting what you like, but if your true goal is to grow your audience, to increase your engagement, you need to be able to go back and look at it like it's data and see, like for me, I've been able to identify four to five content categories that just they work really well for me every time I post in one of these content categories that people recognize it gets a lot of engagement so even though making some of that stuff isn't my favorite thing ever I will go back to that and then I'll sprinkle in things you know that I really like creating and just like genuinely bring me joy but I know what people expect and what they like and what they're looking for so I'll put that in there so anyway, long-winded answer to say that having, having no, that no, business background good. has been really helpful because I just think of it in terms of the data. I think of it in terms of how can we spin this in another way? And I'm trying to offer and market something to people that they're really going to appreciate and they're going to resonate with, whether it be that something is easy for them to make, they can make it in a short amount of time, it's going to have ingredients that they're trying to incorporate into their diet, it's not going to cost them a lot of money, whatever that is, and then whatever it is for anybody who makes content, you just need to be very clear on what your messaging is. You can't just be putting content out into the void and wondering why nobody is resonating with it. Yeah, that's so interesting that you just said that because this morning... I was kind of thinking to myself, I was on a run and like, I always just like go through all the motions when I'm running, but I was thinking like how I would break down my career. So I'm a freelance writer, I'm a journalist, and then I do a little bit of content creation and then pop. So I have like a lot going on. Right. But I would say like 20% is probably networking, going to places to meet people, whatever. 
The other 20% is probably actually writing. And then the rest, I was like, oh, well, it's just me emailing. And then I was like, and a little bit of content creation. But then I was like, well, no, it's marketing too. Because I was thinking like how, this is very long-winded, but I was thinking how basically everything I'm doing is just marketing the LLC and the brand that I just like put through. So that that's interesting. So I kind of had that epiphany this morning because I was like, I'm literally just marketing myself this mm-hmm. entire time. So I think that's really good advice. It's, it's really, really smart the way you can kind of switch like that and be like, okay, what's working and what doesn't. Because a lot of people can't do that. They just throw crap out and hope it sticks. Totally. You know? Yeah. And I think making that connection is great because people don't not want to be marketed to. I think people deep down, they, they do want to be marketed to in a way because that means it's if it's a successful marketing campaign, it's something that really speaks to them right. and they like it. So if you're kind of putting that yeah. stuff out and not thinking about it in terms of marketing, you're just kind of doing yourself a disservice because you can't really think back and, you know, if there's a brand that you can think of, you know what their key value proposition is, you know what their like main messages that they're sending consumers is or the promise that you're going to get from buying them or whatever it is, you know that and people want that from content creators too, or any job like, you know, for your business. You mentioned that you kind of have like four to five specific categories of stuff that you do. And I was looking at your website and you have categories for like specific diets. And and we've talked a lot about health and health is like kind of a broad term and it looks different to everyone, but I'm curious what health means to you in terms of yourself, your brand, et cetera. It's something that has been evolving for years for me. And I know for other people, it's the same thing. Part of that reason is sometimes it's hard to know what is healthy. And I think another part of it is your goals change or the things that are important to you change. So even if you look at my content from five or six years ago, you can see me posting a little bit of different stuff um, or even a year ago or even six months ago. So it's constantly evolving. For me, health is in terms of recipes and food, health is things that make you feel good after you eat them things that are made with quote unquote real ingredients, which for me are just getting to as few processed ingredients as possible. Do I eat processed ingredients sometimes too? Of course. Um, For me, it's things with a lot of plants, very plant forward. Like I mentioned, I like to have more than 50% of my plate be plants when I can. So those are kind of what I mean when I say healthy recipes you're probably going to see something like that. And I know that's not the same for everybody. I know for some people that means not eating any animal products at all, or some people on their carnivore diet journey or whatever that is. So I know that (laughs) the term healthy is kind of, it's kind of a hard term to use right now, but I also think it's nice because it it can encapsulate different things. And then just more generally in terms of like what health is to me, I think it is like that first point I mentioned, just things that make you feel good and things that support your long-term happiness, longevity, um, mental health, things like that. that. That's definitely a good way of putting it. It's just such a subjective term that it's hard to kind of say it in layman terms, I guess. I think 
everything is just getting thrown at people so much because I'm always seeing like, say I like this new cereal. Then the next day I see a TikTok, this cereal is bad for you. Here's the alternative. Then I see the alternative is bad for you. And then it's like just like a roller coaster. So it's what it's like, what is really good for you? But when you really think about it, first of all, good is relative to, but I'll move past that. It's really just comes down to what comes from the ground, what we're putting in our bodies. Vegetables are always going to be everything in moderation, you know, kind of things like that. So it's, it's really hard to be a consumer, but consumers are also smart these days. So it's kind of a double edged sword. For sure. Yeah. It's a really hard time to be a consumer. Like I, I, even though I create content, I'm also a consumer of content and I struggle with that stuff every day too. I think like you said, Mm -hmm. I get stressed out sometimes about, is this healthy? Is this not? We don't know. Everything's so new. Processed food hasn't been around for that long, but I usually feel good about eating and also like sharing in my recipes foods that are just like one ingredient foods, you know, fruits, vegetables, proteins, things like that. So that's what I try to align with. I don't know what the best diet is. I don't know what the best ingredients are. I still like to buy, you know, the healthy snacks, healthy sodas, whatever, and kind of like try those new fun products. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I would say my diet is 95% foods that are just like one ingredient and combining them to make recipes and things like that because I just don't know I don't know what the the answer is honestly the secret is that no one does yeah of (laughs) course yeah it's I mean even research like one study can tell you one thing and another study can tell you something else and everything is really just so new so I think we're all just trying our best to balance doing the healthy thing with also doing the thing that's most realistic for most of our lives and doing the thing that's gonna make sense make you feel good and not make your life worse by trying to figure out how to do all these special wellness things that are just not realistic at the end of the day right right it's so funny because you can literally argue anything and you're gonna find something to support it it's just like I even remember in school like I would go on the internet and like my friend would be writing about a hot topic and then I'd be writing about another and it was just like we could find stuff to support and it was total opposite ends. So it's just like so interesting to me. What was the turning point for your page growth? Was it the grocery store budget series? Yeah, I pretty much, yes. A little bit before that, I think my recipes were starting to pick up a bit. So like I mentioned, I think I was around like 50,000 followers, which I was thrilled about. Like that was amazing to me. I could, could oh, never have dreamed. Yeah. Um, so I talk <laughs> about it now and I'm like, oh, I only had 50,000 followers, but I was absolutely thrilled. I think, yeah, my recipes started to be picked up maybe because some of that stuff I talked about where I started to think a little bit more in how I was actually marketing my videos. And that was really helpful. And I was getting very clear on what my message was, what the value proposition of my page was, things like having healthy food in a short amount of time, using ingredients that you recognize, doing things on a budget, things like that. When I started my grocery series just about a year ago now, which if people don't know what that is, it's where I take one grocery list that's like $50 to $60. I go to the store and then I show you how to turn that into five different recipes 
that you can make for dinners for the week. So I started doing that a year ago and people really liked it. And I had no idea that it would resonate so deeply. I think looking back now, it makes sense that it did. I think it was very timely. Everybody was talking about the price of groceries. And also this was something that I don't think it was groundbreaking in terms of what I was doing. Anybody can, you know, pick a couple of recipes and make a grocery list. And I'm sure people were doing this before, but I think the difference was I was doing it for free. I was putting it out there for anybody. I have zero paywalls behind the grocery series, which still my grocery series are completely free. But I just really wanted to show people that you could do it because it was just the way that I had been making my grocery list every week for the past like couple of years. I had just graduated college and I was living in the city. I didn't have very much money. So the way that I made the grocery list in the recipes for that series as somebody who likes to cook, but wants to eat healthy and needs the meal to be ready quickly was all of those principles were what it went into the series. And then once I realized that it resonated so deeply with so many people and they, it was just a tool that they needed because people are busy and a lot of them are struggling. I just continued to do it. And I, I think that series has been a consistent growth for me if, in terms of like my page. And then I've started to support it with other content that's related to the principles that are in those series. Okay. So whether it be meal prep on a budget, um, meal prepping for the week so that you don't spend money, you know, going through the drive here in the morning or an easy weeknight dinner tips for how to grocery shop, all of that. So my page kind of centers around those key messages that were really the principles of that series that I first put together a year ago. There's a few things I have on that. One is that sometimes you just are too tired and, or you don't know the space and you just need to be told what to Mm -hmm. do. You just need a solution. You just need to look at someone else's recipes, whatever it is, even with like something like exercising, like some people go to classes so they don't really have to think about it. You know, it's like an effortless thing. So that's, I think that's definitely why it took off too, because it can just be exhausting to like live life sometimes, Mm -hmm. cook three meals a day. Like it's nice to just go to a video and be like, okay, here's what exactly what I need at the grocery store and here's what I can do. I like Trader Joe's though, because I feel like they're really successful at not providing too many options because it's their own brand. They're just so like, I need chicken stock here. It's Trader Joe's brand done. Like it takes out the choice. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? In, in a lot of ways in the variety of choice, because it's super, super overwhelming for people who aren't like next level chefs. Totally. I also wanted to bring up how it, Basically, when you buy groceries, I've been guilty of this. Like, I forget about it in the back of my fridge. I don't know what to do with it. I end up throwing it out and it gets moldy or gross. Or I just am completely lost on what to do with asparagus or whatever it is. So I think it takes out the food waste as well when you're using every single thing that you purchased for the entire Totally. And that's why I love explaining to people how to create their grocery list in general, like outside of the series so that they can kind of take these skills into their own kitchens throughout the year. It it kind of goes back to what I was saying of this is how I used to make my grocery list just like for myself, where if you just take a couple of extra minutes, really like 10 to 15 extra minutes before you go to the grocery store to make a plan. And I think 
part of it is taking inventory of what you have in your refrigerator, in your freezer. And then part of it is thinking about what you want and also taking inventory of your pantry and then thinking about what you want to make, but having in your mind, those ingredients that you need to use, you can really start to pick up skills pretty quickly on how to use all of that. Like if you're saying you have asparagus in the back of the fridge, let's say you have some, I don't know, ground sausage in there. You have some chickpeas on the pantry. You have peanut butter. When you start to build that skill of figuring out what to do with what you have on hand and how you can combine those flavors in ways that you haven't tried before, that's really where the money saving and then the not wasting food comes into play. And it becomes kind of like a game that is actually really fun. And it's really satisfying to get to the end of the week and your fridge be basically empty. And you have a couple of things left where it's like you start the process again. Okay, I didn't use these bell peppers and carrots and whatever. And maybe I'm just throwing it into a stir fry to use up all of my stuff. Or I'm throwing it into um, like a frittata and making that for my breakfast for the week. There's just so much that you can do. And that's why I love those one ingredient foods that I keep referencing because you can do so much. Like it's not like you bought a salad bag from the store and you didn't use it and now it's about to go bad in the fridge which is fine. like th- that's great but when you have these kind of individual components you can make something really fun you can start to experiment a little bit more in the kitchen you can try a food that you haven't tried before with another food so it's just really fun at the end of the day but yes people are strapped for time and energy and they have decision fatigue and they just want to be told what to do so I'm trying to provide as much as I can of that, but also kind of teaching a few of those techniques for figuring out what to do with what you have. Decision fatigue, that's exactly what I was was thinking about. You got me with the empty fridge. Mine is almost near empty. I've got it down pat I love now. it. <laughs> <laughs> almost every time. And then it's like, I wait just a little bit too long to go to the grocery store because I just don't yeah. feel like it. I actually love going to the grocery store in Trader Joe's, but like, you know, sometimes it's just hard to like get yourself there, even though it's such like an easy task. You're like, oh, it's just like one yep. more thing you have totally. to do. <laughs> I want to know, you mentioned a few ingredients, but what are five staple ingredients that you always have to have on hand? I love this question. My number one is coconut milk. I love talking about coconut milk. <laughs> And I always have it. That'll be the name of this episode, (laughs) Jen and Coconut Milk. Surely, I feel like I've talked about coconut milk every time I've ever done the interview. And I just think it's great because it's shelf-stable, it's budget-friendly, and you can do so much with it. So that's one of them. Number two, I would probably say chickpeas for similar reasons where, one, it's a great source of protein. So that's amazing. It's plant-based source of protein, which people love. It's very budget-friendly. You can do so much with it. You can even use the liquid. You can use the chickpeas. You can put it in a dessert. You can do so much. So I love chickpeas. Always Mm -hmm. have those. And then I always have some kind of a nut butter in my pantry to use for a sauce or like even just something simple like putting it in a smoothie or in toast or something like that. You can use it in a savory like peanut sauce, almond butter sauce, whatever. So there's a lot that you can do there. And again, a good source of protein. So that's three. Another one I would say, it's a tough call because there's a lot. Nut butter is a good one. I don't feel like I use nut butter in a sauce. Yeah. What kind of sauce? Like a yeah, peanut sauce? Yeah, personally, I love to do a peanut sauce mm-hmm. with like tofu, for example, or chicken. 
like I actually just posted a recipe this week for um, like a meatball rice bowl that uses peanut sauce. So there's a lot of different ways that you could do it. Just like a little bit of peanut mm. butter, some coconut aminos or soy sauce, a little bit of sriracha okay. for spice, like very simple. You could do a little maple syrup to sweeten it a little bit and whisk that together. And it's really, and those like those right there are also some of my pantry yeah. staples that I really love, like the maple syrup, the coconut aminos. I would say two other things that I always keep on hand are some kind of like frozen chicken. So I'll always just grab that out of the freezer if oh, I'm yeah. just not really sure what to make. And you can pair, like in that example where you have the leftover vegetables in the fridge and you need to use them up, just throw them on a sheet pan with your chicken, like defrosted the night before, put it on a sheet pan, throw on whatever vegetables you have, season it super simply if you want to, you know, salt, pepper, garlic powder, whatever you like, and bake that. And that's just an easy sheet pan meal. Like you don't need to be doing rocket science when it comes to making your meals like they really can be super simple so that's another one I guess my fifth one would probably be probably be broth I like to have like a either veggie broth bone broth something like that because I like to use broth instead of water in most things that use water like yeah rice rice. or um like pasta even then I'll throw a little bit of bone broth in a sauce, like that peanut sauce, for example, like you can throw a little bit of bone broth in there just to like add a little bit of saltiness and flavor, or you can sip on it. So I like to have broth on hand and then I can make a soup. Like I always have, you know, rice on hand, chicken, the vegetables, throw it all together, make a very quick soup. And um, you can like pretty easily make it taste good, put some coconut milk in it. (laughs) Yeah, there it is. (laughs) I think I did make one of your soups actually now for... Oh, it had um nutritional yeast and oh, wild yeah. rice. Yeah, that's one of my really popular soup recipes. I love nutritional yeast. That's a great one yeah. that people don't really think of. That's an example of an ingredient where I have a lot of people say like, oh, I never thought to use it before. And I love that because it's like nutritional yeast also is very nutrient dense and people don't really think about it. And I think people are a little bit scared of it because they don't know what it is if they haven't tried it. Yeah, but it's really good. Like I love it. I put it, and you can just sprinkle it on your eggs or something too, and you just get that little nutritional boost. Same thing as like sprinkling on some fresh herbs or something like that. Just little ways to inject nutrition into your day and onto your plates is it can be really fun. It is. I know. I bought it on a whim, like right when I moved and stuff, and then I had no idea what to do with it. But then I I posted it on my Instagram, and people were like, "You can like sprinkle Mm -hmm. on popcorn, sprinkle it on your salads," and then I your soup too I was like this is actually something that's so easy yeah. to use so I think it's very I totally agree yeah for sure okay so you're walking into Trader Joe's what are the first foods you're beelining towards? I always start at the produce I usually have a list though so I'll start there I I very rarely go into a grocery store without a list because then I just like I go from being really smart about grocery shopping to really not smart very quickly if I don't have a list. Um, but I like to get my produce Me first because in my eyes, my meals are around the vegetables, fruits and vegetables and, you know, other plants. Whereas I think a lot of people, their meals are around the protein. And I think that makes sense because like I'm not downplaying the importance of protein. I think protein is like so important, but it makes it so that you can just try something a little bit different or you can use a flavor a little bit differently where I think you can box yourself in if you're just like, Oh, we're going to have, we're going to have like ground beef tonight or something like that. It's just 
you can open yourself up a little bit more. I like to see what's out, like up at the front, what's in season and see if you can throw something in. I love those. Yeah, guys. totally. Even like right now, <laughs> they have all the oranges out and all the citrus for winter. It's like, oh, let's make a citrus salad. Let's grab some lemons and make a lemon chicken or something oh like God. that. Wait, you know what I have right next to me right now? Sumo citrus sent me a package. I love sumo citrus. <laughs> <laughs> so good if you dip it in a little bit of melted chocolate and put it in the freezer. Little sprinkle of salt. You got to try that. It's so good. Oh my gosh. I need to try that yeah. like now yeah. after this. That sounds so <laughs> Yeah, good. but that's normally where I'm starting. Really or exciting. like, you know, at the flower section. <laughs> um, but they, I think their produce section is yeah. helpful the way that it's like laid out too and the grocery stores in general like I think it's nice how you can kind of look at things in categories where you can look at all the greens you can look at the you know onions potatoes garlic you can look at the citrus and then you can look at you know the the green onion cilantro all those fresh herbs and then kind of build your menu if you haven't gone in with the list already if you're going in with the list already think about the produce first still like still kind of go through that process in your mind if you're doing that pantry or fridge inventory start with your produce drawer because those are the things that are going bad most quickly anyway so you're going to want to use them up so start to go a little bit out of your comfort zone and like instead of just repeating the same meals over and over again how can you pull in one new ingredient or how can you like add a sauce or add fresh herbs on top or add nutritional yeast or anything like that I think people think you need to just find these like brand new recipes if they're going to try something new, but you don't have to, you can iterate a lot of the recipes that I post online are other versions of recipes I've already posted because people liked them. So I think you can draw upon that and like, Mm -hmm. just, you know, open up your horizons a little bit. See, I am the queen of forgetting to take inventory before I go to the grocery (laughs) store so that I just walk around like a lost girl. I know it's hard to remember it is and it's funny because I don't really get the same things every single week but it's more just like I forget what I run out of so it's taken me three weeks to literally get chicken broth because I forgot every single time and I used to be a list gal but for some reason I lost that (laughs) self-care tactic so now I need to revamp and regroup and then yeah actually do it serious question though i saw you had salmon recipes i just started this series called making salmon recipes until it doesn't make me barf because strong strong hot take because a very long time ago i made salmon so often mm, that now it yeah. just makes me nauseous so i'm trying to like find my mm-hmm. way back so what's your go-to salmon Ooh, that's a good question i'm simple when it comes to salmon Maybe because I do just like it mm-hmm. kind of plain. But one way that I love to make it is I make these like kind of sweet and spicy salmon lettuce wraps where you cut the salmon into little cubes and then marinate Ooh. it in some sriracha, coconut aminos, kind of some of those same ingredients that I was talking about earlier and make a mm-hmm. little bit of a sweet sauce. And then you can bake or air fry it and put it in like a little lettuce cup with some sesame seeds and green onion or cilantro on top. And that's a nice, it's a really nice bite. Like it's not like just, you know, taking a bite of like a salmon filet. So that would probably be my favorite way to have it. That would probably be my recommendation. Ooh, I'll look that one up. That sounds really good. Yeah. I know lettuce wrap is something I haven't yeah, really thought yeah. of. 
before because I feel like I, I was really making it with just like which is how you make most fish and how honestly chefs make most fish is literally just like salt, pepper, yeah, maybe lemon. Very simple. Whatever. But I just like when you over make something, you just ruin it for yourself sometimes. Yeah. So I'm trying Definitely to find my way try out. it. Yeah, I have it with like a little mango salsa that goes right in it. It's kind of summery, but if you can find a good ripe oh, mango in uh, in the winter months, then it's a good recipe to make. Yeah. <laughs> Sumo citrus. I know, maybe you could put a little, maybe. you could, you know, take some juice from the sumo citrus and marinate with a little bit of soy sauce and orange juice. I think that would be a good salmon yeah. marinade. Okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking this is next week's grocery list that there you I'm go. actually going to make. <laughs> So let's talk about what's next for you. Do you have any upcoming projects? Anything else to share? Fun stuff yeah, going on? Yeah, I have a lot of fun stuff going on. Um, I'm always over on social media um, at Jen Eats Good with three O's, just posting new grocery hauls, meal prep, all of that stuff. I just launched a newsletter called the Eat Good, also with three O's, newsletter over on Substack. So mm-hmm. that I'm really excited about where I'm sharing more of those grocery lists plus meal plans that I send out twice a month and then I have a kind of more of a close community there where there's a subscriber chat and um, like ability to comment so we've kind of been discussing recipes and things like that so I'm having a lot of fun with the sub stack those are kind of my main things I'm working on right now but I have a few things coming up that I'm really excited about and just trying out new recipes and you know consistently taking feedback from people and trying new ingredients or whatever somebody wants to see. So I'm always open if anybody wants to shoot me a DM and um, let me know what I should be trying. A cookbook? Hopefully. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> About your new grocery yeah, that's... series? Just saying. That could be yeah, yeah. I would absolutely thing. love to do a cookbook and um, hoping that I can I can make that happen and share with the world. So thank you. I'm glad that you would be interested. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm giving my, I, I always end up like feeling like giving people advice. I need to like consult on the <laughs> side or something, but I think your grocery series, like literally just be like X recipes you can make with like whatever, and then just do it in like segments. So like, this is $75, this is $60, whatever. I think that would be really good. I think it would, it would go so over much. well. You are welcome. So I have a short game for you. Why is my voice giving out? Oh my gosh. All right. So I have a short game for you if you're up for it. It's something I do with every guest to kind of wrap up the podcast. We're going to do a little lightning round. So I'm going to name a popular food trend and you're going to say if it's a smash or pass kind of thing. Okay, let's do it. Cool. First, eating soup in the summer. Hmm. I would say pass personally. Mostly because I just don't think about it, but I think there's so many other great things you can make in the summer, and there's not as many things I'm excited about in the winter. So I try to save it for the winter as much as possible. That's such a fair point. I, yeah, I honestly never eat soup in the summer normally because my temperament is very hot and it yeah. just makes me hotter. <laughs> fair. <laughs> so, that's my deal. That's, that's a personal <laughs> issue, though. Second, very general Brussels sprouts get a bad oh, rap smash 100 i'm obsessed with brussels sprouts <laughs> me too i've been they're making so them good. so much lately yeah and they're good all year round too yeah i actually um that's that's such a good point i didn't really think about that they are they are good all year round because i always see them back to trader joe's in yeah the aisle. i know they're always there <laughs> all right third one avocado toast 
I'm, I'm in between on this one. I like avocado toast, but I feel like it gets more hype than is worth. I think it's good, but I, I'm not ordering it out at a restaurant personally. There's other things that I would want. <laughs> Heck no. I am not buying a $20 piece of avocado toast at a restaurant that will not be coming from me. Yeah. And it's also when the, there's sourdough underneath and you're supposed to eat that in public, how am I supposed to cut it? You can't because it's like a chainsaw. And oh, yeah. the whole experience is uncomfortable. And then the avocado falls off. I feel really strongly about this. So yeah, if you're going to do avocado toast, well, do it at home in the comfort of your own home. Do not order it out and waste your money. That's I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you all the hot takes today. Okay. Fourth one with my voice still sounding like a monster. Um, pasta salad. I... It depends, but I would say usually pass mainly because I, I don't like mayo. So that kind of takes me out of most pasta salad, but I mm. do like a, a vinaigrette based pasta salad in the summer. I, it, it depends. And, you know, I like it at a barbecue or something like that. I feel like my mindset right now is so winter that I'm, I haven't thought about it, but I think a good Mediterranean inspired pasta salad is really good with Kalamata olives and, um, fresh herbs and like feta I could get down for that Ooh. okay so now you came back and you actually like vinegar it all circles around. it depends it if it's with like a if it has to be light a heavy dressing I can't do but I do like a vinaigrette in that I just can't do a like a full bite of vinegar <laughs> fifth one also controversial to some people out there kale I love kale I'm a big kale girl I would like to say I've gotten a lot of people to eat kale, which is makes me very happy. But I think people who don't like kale, they're just having it like basically raw in a salad. So no wonder why they don't like it. But if you're someone that's a little unsure, bake it, put it in a stir fry, like really cook it down because kale is really delicious. And if you actually let it like massage it before you're going to eat it and actually let it absorb some of those flavors, Kale is amazing. Just make sure you chew it really well because it can hurt your stomach if you don't. I um, tried a kale smoothie once, but it was a mistake. I like it in the soup that I made with for you, that soup recipe. And I've also, one chef told me to literally just cook it down and like season it and it actually could end up being really, really delicious. So yeah, I love to do that with like eggs in the morning. I'll do like a little bit of sauteed kale with some salt and garlic powder, like really simple, and then some eggs and some toast, and it's a nice kind of combination of textures. Yeah, agreed. So you get people to eat kale and tofu. That's impressive. Just that's, saying. That's what I'm <laughs> trying to do, at least. <laughs> Very impressive. All right, I have my final question for you. If there's one cooking appliance or utensil that you think everyone should splurge on, what would it be and why? I'm very simple when it comes to cooking appliances, but I think one thing is a really good blender or food processor. I think that's essential, oh. like other than a sheet pan and a skillet and maybe like a pot, those are really the only tools I use consistently in the kitchen. So having a good blender so that you can make a sauce, you can make a smoothie, you can, you can make almond milk, you can make so much. So I've always like gone for a, the nicest blender. Whereas other things I have, I don't really feel like you need the top of the line. 
I agree with that. A food processor is something I'm lacking and I need one ASAP because I realized how much it would make my life easier. (laughs) Yeah. I have a KitchenAid food processor and I really love it. And those aren't like crazy expensive either. I think they're, you know, $70. And that's something that I've used all the time. And it's nice. I feel like you don't need a blender and a food processor. It's nice to have a food processor for like making a pesto or something like that, but you can get away with just having one of the two, Um, but both are great. Yeah, agreed. I actually just posted a pesto recipe, but I had to use my giant blender. So that's why it's not finely grained. And I, I did a PSA on my <laughs> caption. Yeah. Use yeah. a food processor. I mean, whatever you can make work. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on. This was really, really fun. And I had great conversation. You know, it's good when we run over an hour. So <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me. I always love talking about food. So this was so fun. Um, and I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, yeah, you are welcome. Anytime, for sure. When that cookbook comes out, you're gonna loop right back around. <laughs> thank you, Olivia. You're welcome. So you can keep up with Jen's latest recipes on Instagram or TikTok at Jen Eats Good 3Os or website jeneatsgood.com. Hey, fellow foodies. Thanks so much for listening. And don't forget to leave me a review. While you're at it, make sure to follow me at Living for Food Pod on Instagram or TikTok or email me at livingforfoodpod at gmail.com. Let me know what you're cooking up this week, which guests you would like to see on the podcast, or tell me your opinions on the latest viral food trend. And in case you're just joining me, there is an entirety of season one ready and waiting for you. Until next time.